We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I mean, yo, <laughs> I am so happy we're recording the day after that shit because like we were talking about before we started recording, the place went crazy, NBA Twitter, social media went crazy. Guys, welcome back to the VM NBA show. Lamb here, Ippy here, the dynamic backcourt, best backcourt in podcasting is here. And also our guy is joining us. Yay, yay. The yay oh, yay yeah. himself. Our, uh, <laughs> w- what'd we coin you? Our stretch four? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I like that a lot. The stretch four. <laughs> Tempa Trap. I'm with it. The name that changed the game, baby. All right. Yo, look, we have to start it off with the shot. Shout out to the, the, the Blazers broadcast for that one. I mean, there's nothing else we have to start the show off with, fellas. Yeah. I, uh, sensational shot. Um, sensational series by my first round MVP. Facts. Although, although I mean, come on, like you know, it wasn't that much of a stretch. I mean, it wasn't that big. You know, it wasn't that great of a call early on. You know, he had two great games, uh, game one and two. Um, that was when that was after we 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 made those picks after two games. Um, 
But you know, I feel a little validated a little bit now, you know, a little bit more now after that shot. Um, but just just an amazing series. Look, the Blazers got swept the past two seasons in the playoffs in the yep. first round. And so um they, you know, they were ready this year, without a doubt. Um and I'm not sure if this says more about the Blazers or it says, you know, I don't know who this, you know, what what this says more about. Does it say more about the Blazers or does it say more about OKC? Either way, um, you know, just hats off um, to, you know, Portland. They're getting a lot of kind of quality minutes from guys like Canner. Um, and then obviously you have CJ who's who had a couple 30-point games, if I'm not mistaken. But Dame is just shooting the lights out. Bro, he pulled that shot. It was a step back from pretty much in between the logo and the three-point line. Uh, Paul George said it was a bad shot. I just think he's Hater. a little salty. Yeah, thank you, Tim. I think he's a little salty because that sh- he hit that shot. Um, and so just a sensational series. And, you know, Nick thinks there's a path for the Western Conference Finals. Um, either way, it, 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 it's it's just it's hats, hats off. It, it, tremendous series. You talked about feeling validated about your pick. Man, imagine being Dame right now. He, imagine feeling he – not only did they get swept two years ago, last year they got swept and he got the blame for it. He was like mm-hmm. the scapegoat. He was the guy that everyone was like, he needs to be better. Or is he really a superstar or is he just a guy who's playing off in Portland and puts up a bunch of stats? And he completely put all that to rest. Uh, before those two sweeps, his reputation around the league was clutch. And nothing that he did during this series was took away anything from that previous reputation. Yeah. Clutch is his middle name. He has ice water in his veins. What stood out to me the most about Damon in this series was anytime something good happened, he was stoic. Mm. He had a straight face, no smiles, no laughs, no frowns, no cheers. It was all business time. And he had one goal in his mind. And those tiny little things that happened along the way that a lot of people were excited about, he wasn't going to accept that. This year, uh, shout out to him, man. He really, he he's the story. Yeah, for sure. I I have so much to say about this. Uh, first of all, Damian Lillard. I've always been a Lillard guy. I think when Durant left and went to Golden State, kind of turned heel on me, right? If he made the heel turn on us, yeah. Uh, Tim has been very outspoken on that. <laughs> if you guys listen to this show, but you know, I gravitated to Lillard. I always liked Lillard, but look at look at him the last couple of years, man. Last last year, he was like a top five MVP candidate, made first NBA, all NBA first team. Uh, he might be second team this year, Imp, right? Didn't we have him? He, yeah, it, it all depends on where you put Steph Curry. If you have Steph Curry on your first team, it it, it all comes down to Steph Curry's games played. I, I don't think he cracked 70. Yeah. And so I think the conversation is, you know, are you going to um are you going to crucify Steph for not playing 70 games when you have a guy like Dame who's played over 75, if I'm not mistaken? And, the, you know, the numbers are fairly similar. So it's all about like you know we're how you know how important our games played to you. So Dame is borderline at All NBA first team, definitely all All NBA second team. So it's it's between him and Steph because James Harden is is is, is solidified as the first team uh, guard. So it's all it's it's a Curry and and Lillard situation right now. Regardless, uh, the point stands that you're looking at All NBA first team last year. This year he'll be All NBA second team. Let's just say, and he also has a second from a couple years ago, and he's had two-thirds. So he's been an All-NBA uh, uh, perceived top 15 player the last five years. Mm-hmm. I am so happy, fellas. I'm so happy that he's finally getting the national attention that the casual NBA fan is finally giving him. 
Because yeah. if you watch NBA, like he's a guy that I bought league pass for. The Blazers do tend to play in that ten thirty West Coast time. And look, it's Portland. No offense, Portland. Probably a dope state. Shout out to Oregon. But it's not it's not Golden State. It's not Houston. It's not the Lakers. And this guy's been a star, man. And yo, you mentioned it before. I think this is such a big bounce back for Damian Lillard. Look, we talk about him getting swept, right? Tim mentioned how he, he was like the fall guy. And they were thinking about breaking up that backcourt because, yo, remember what Rondo and, and Drew Holiday did to them too? It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. Yeah. They were also a favorite against the Pelicans. If you go by Vegas, they were an underdog in the series against the Thunder here. You mentioned that they got swept. Fellas, they also got swept by the Thunder in the regular season too. Nice. They lose Nurkic at one point. Arguably the second best player on the team for them. It was like McCullough and him. And... Yo, Dame just legit took the next step, man. He took the next step, dominated uh, him against Russ, going at it. You guys ready for some numbers on this? It's, Damian Lillard, it's not going to be good if you're Russell Westbrook listening right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, guys, you might want to press the, the 30 skip seconds on this one because it's going to get bad. <laughs> next uh, question. Da- Damian Lillard, 33 points per game, 46% from the field, plus 55, plus minus. Russ, on the other hand, 22 points per game, 36% from the field, Minus 43 and an insane amount of three pointers missed by Russell Westbrook. Yeah. An insane amount of three pointers taken as well. I I can't help but think like Russell Westbrook is he gets so emotional sometimes that it works to his detriment. And not just in the way that you hear, like if you're going to put on ESPN, they're going to tell you he goes 100 miles an hour. And that's why he you know misses all these shots. But emotionally, he's going 100 miles an hour, too. And I think that he really, he took, he was taking the series to Dame. Mm. But Damian Lillard wasn't trying to take the series to him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Damian Lillard was worried about winning. Russell Westbrook was worried about beating Damian Lillard. And I think that you could tell that, like, every time he scored, he did the baby rock. And he hit that three in Lillard's face. And he legit pointed at him. And... But and, and every single time Lillard came back, again, I'll, I'll repeat it again, stoic, just straight-up business. This is not my goal. My goal is to win the series. That's what I'm looking for. And I think that's his downfall. Not only is he 100% go physically, he's also 100% go mentally. And, you know, Paul George was hitting his shots. Yeah. And the rest of the team was playing all right. And really the whole thing boils down to Russell Westbrook played like shit. Yeah, Paul George was was unguardable in the mid game in the in the mid range game, um, but credit to Portland and Terry Stotts in the game plan. They were attacking Stephen Adams, who traditionally is a solid defender in the pick and roll, and he was just getting abused and abused and abused. Uh, and I mentioned some quality minutes from a guy like Ennis Kander, who the Knicks bought out, um, uh, you know, you know, you know, halfway through the season, and and he and he provided some quality minutes after Nurkic went down. So just all all around great team win. And and one thing on one more thing on Dame is is everyone wants to talk about the three point shooting and 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 that's amazing. But let's not forget how great he was at getting to the cup and slashing, something that Tim loves. Um and 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 Dame did a really really good job of that. The bucket before the three was an insane acrobatic layup to tie it. And so like I just, you know, he's just an all-around great uh, facilitator, and he's also obviously he's a great scorer. But I think his slashing ability and his playmaking ability uh, goes underrated, uh, goes unnoticed a bit. So just all-around all sensational player. Fantastic body control when he's a yes. in the rim. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, yep. You guys can't see it listening at home, but I'm doing the wave. I want to <laughs> get to the wave. 
How did you guys feel about the wave? Loved it. Loved it. The Queen of England wave, too. Not just like a bye. It was like a closing. The, uh, loved it. Could not yeah. get enough of it. Same. Same. Loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of history with these two guys, man. You know, a couple years back, uh, there was a clip that went viral of Damian Lillard's going to pick up the ball from the, like, I don't know if it was a free throw made or it was like a loose ball, but, you know, play had stopped. He goes to pick up the ball, and Russ kind of kicks it away from him. And Damian Lillard's like, yo, man, that's a technical. And Russell's like doing the the baby thing, right? Russ has Russ told him uh, earlier this year, he told him, uh, I've been busting that ass for years when Dame was at the free throw line, right? And then also Russ took shots at him one time saying that, oh, I don't beg for all-star votes because Dame wanted to get into the all-star game. He's been a snub pretty much. Ever since, like, year two, he came into the league. And it's like, yo, Dame, silent assassin, right? They were talking mad shit after game three. Uh, Dennis Schroeder pointing to his wrist and all that. Paul George doing the, the double clutch dunk as the game expired. And they were all like, all right, man, all right, yeah, you know, you won the battle, but we want to win the war. Yep. And I was just like, you know, thank you. Next. Bye-bye. Adios. Good luck on the golf course. And and what was so what was so awesome about the shot is, it was almost like a college environment where like the crowd stormed the court. Yeah, and, and that's what it felt like. Like you could tell that 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 win was so big for the team and the city itself because like, dude, that never happens in the NBA. Like fans don't like run onto the court like that. Like it was just a big mosh pit and a big pile on top of Damon. Just you know that that kind of just like speaks to how important you know he is to the team and how important that win was for the team. So. Just really happy, like you said. Really glad that he's getting that national exposure now because the casual Fairweather fan who's you know tuning in for the NBA playoffs may know who Damian Lillard is, but they may really not know how great he is. And 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 you know he proved that this series. And on top of that, you have possibly one of the best pictures in NBA history of Dame oh, just right. straight up straight faced <laughs> while everyone is is tackling him, and they, the camera is right up in his grill. Uh, at Veterans Minimum on Instagram, cheap plug. If you want to go check out that picture, that's that is one for the record books for the NBA. Yeah, yeah, man. And, and let's not forget, guys. He hit that shot on Paul George, who's an All NBA defensive guy too. So it's like he did that step back from deep, and it was on a guy that could actually defend. So, yeah. I want to get into the. I want to get into the Thunder real quick because there's a lot of there's a lot of talks about the Thunder, man. Like, do you run it back with this roster? Right, Adams is a twenty-five million dollar cap hit over the next two years. Russ is signed for four years, hundred and seventy million. They can't really make any moves, guys, because they're tied up a lot to three guys. Like their three big cap hits are Adams, Paul George, and Russ. And Impy, you know, we spoke about it earlier in the year, like around the All Star break, how well Paul George was playing. Tim, I actually had him as my leading. Uh, vote getter for the MVP award because it seemed like Russ took a step back and let him run the show. Russ was shooting about 16 times per game. And then you saw, man, if, if Dame doesn't hit that shot, everyone's talking about Paul George today. Yeah. He used 14 of 20 from the field, dominated both ends on the floor, and he has like a really bad shoulder. I wouldn't be surprised if they come out and say, yo, he has to have surgery on it because he hasn't looked the same. But Tim, how do you feel about this Thunder roster, man, before we move on? Do, do you move... Do you move on like with this current team? Do you try to entertain the idea? Thunder fans don't shoot, but like maybe getting rid of Russ? Uh, I mean, you have to. Uh, you have to at least think about it. Right now, his cap number is twenty five percent of the cap. Mm-hmm. Um, he, them three that you mentioned, sixty percent of the cap, and Dennis Schroeder, who you didn't mention, is also making fifteen million dollars. Right. Andre Rob Roberson, who your boy was injured. 
my boy, ten million dollars. <laughs> so they're not they're not in any type of cap space. All right. So here's the question. Do you want to be the Atlanta Falcons? I, I'm sorry, the Atlanta Hawks. Mm-hmm. Right. We say it all the time. Uh, what are you settling for? Do you want to just be the team that shows up to the playoffs, has a player that has his triple doubles and uh, is really exciting during the regular season? Or do you want to be a contender? Because right now this team has currently built is not a contender. And you think about the choices that they've made on going down the line. They chose Russell Westbrook over Kevin Durant. They chose uh, they chose to get rid of James Harden. Right. They chose to give Steven Adams the money. They chose to give Paul George the money. Right. So now you're kind of stuck with this team. This is the team that you've decided to ride or die with because no one's taking Russ Westbrook at the super max where he is. And they're forty one million dollars over the cap. So they don't really have an option right now. It, it is ride or die with this team. And unless unless Russ can drastically change his game, I don't know if they can ride. It's going to probably be a lot of dying. It's funny that you mentioned James Harden because it seemed like Sam Presti and OKC, they bet, they bet on Russell Westbrook over James Harden. And it's interesting because the NBA game has developed into a shooter game uh, and so spread the four kind of a game and kind of obviously feel like they may may have made the wrong decision there when in, in, in betting on, on, on Russ over uh, Harden at the time. So it's, it's kind of crazy looking back on, on, on that big three and then, Jesus, imagine if they stay together somehow. I, obviously, you know, it's easy to say in hindsight, but like it's – and obviously it's easy to say for me – now it's even easier for me to say, oh, they made the wrong decision. James Harden, you know, could potentially win back-to-back MVPs. But it's just interesting that they kind of, you know, I think if they could go back, they'd pick Harden over us. Fellas, how many times do we do a breakdown in any sport? Any sport, whether it's, uh, you know, we're all Met fans, all three of us were like, yo, this rotation, son, the next decade, what's up, right? Mm-hmm. The Thunder, 2011, you're probably like, yo, they're going to win like five titles. That window closed, j- jam shut, right? Yep. The worst thing that could happen to the Thunder right now is if like the Rockets win a championship this year. It's like, damn, son. James Harden, you're saying back-to-back MVPs? There's a case to be made as I'm wearing my Fear the Beard shirt. We're looking at a three-time MVP. And, Tim, I know we're going to get to James Harden a little bit, and I know how you feel about him. But this is a guy who might win MVP again, Might be, has a strong case for three-time MVP. And then you got Durant, who's won his titles. He's been an MVP, back-to-back finals MVPs. And, yo, the way it sounds, it's like they kind of kept the wrong guy. Especially yeah. with how you bring up a hell of a point, how the NBA has evolved. Yeah, the NBA is turning into a shooter's game, and 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 Nick, you're right. Uh, runner up for an MVP, one MVP, and then this year, I'm pretty sure Giannis is going to win, so he'll probably be runner up again. But nonetheless, e- either winning it or being the runner up is 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 sensational, and and, and you got to feel Sam Presti and those boys made a made a mistake. Although you know Russ is you know Russ has panned out without a doubt, but just you know it's, in relation to a James Harden. I mean, besides LeBron James, a former Thunder, like outside of a LeBron James championship, a former Thunder player has won the championship, what, the last three years? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going to get a former Thunder in the Western Conference Finals. I think that's, I mean, the Nuggets are going to have something to say about it, but I think that's something that you could bank on, Yeah. uh, that one of these teams are going to be in the finals. Yep. So it's going to suck for Thunder fans. It, it's it's a tough one because you have to always it's always what if it will be what if 
30 years from now, it'll be what if. When their local sports station in 30 years is running the local news uh, like in people's chips straight to their brains, uh, the local news will say, what if these guys stayed together? What would have happened? This is oh, going to be a what if in Oklahoma City forever. There's going to be a 30 for 30 without a doubt. Oh, 100%. 100%. Get that shit going. <laughs> All right. Before uh, staying with this theme, you know, we opened up with Damian Lillard hitting that shot. We got a question for a VM shoot around. Uh, we made it exclusively to the patrons. Shout out to the patrons. You guys are hitting up that NBA Discord server heavy during the playoffs. It's always cool because no matter what time the game is, guys, and I know some of us wake up bright and early, uh, that chat is always pumping. So hats off to you guys. If you guys want to join the Discord, patreon.com slash veterans minimum. There's a lot of perks and incentives that you get, which is a small, small donation of five American dollars a month. You get a lot of fun stuff. With that being said, VM shoot around this week from Imaginary Dolphin. Mm. Yes, I said that correct. From the Discord. What's the one game winning shot that is most memorable to you and why? Let me go first. Let me go first. Kyrie Irving, Game 7, Cavaliers, Warriors. Um, Mm. For so many reasons, but first, obviously, LeBron James brings a ring back to Cleveland after, what, 50? I think it's 50 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, we talk about, and then Nick and and Nick and I uh, chatted about um, the what ifs. What what if? I didn't even think about that. So, uh, you know, this, you know, brings the whole if Kyrie doesn't hit that shot, KD may not go to Golden State. So not only is the Draymond suspension a huge, you know, what if the Kyrie shot is, is equally as important because if Kyrie doesn't hit that shot, Golden State wins. Chances are KD never goes to Golden State because you know Draymond Green they they win the ring that year. Draymond Green never calls KD in the parking lot after the game, uh, and so I just think you know that another kind of a situation where it's a domino effect throughout the entire NBA landscape. Um, and then also, in my opinion, it also just validates Kyrie Irving, who who you know I feel like people have a love hate with Kyrie, um, but something that he's proven this year is he is a very very clutch uh, player. Um, I think his um, stats in the clutch, you know, close game, tied or down or up very close. Um, he's shooting like over 50 percent. Uh, and then he also has the best uh, playoff winning percentage in the NBA in history of the NBA. So he's also never lost a game in the first round of the playoffs. So I think it not only validated Kyrie as an elite NBA player, it also kind of was the domino effect. Oh, and, and, you know, the whole LeBron story as well. But it also kicked off the domino that is KD to the Golden State Warriors. So that's why I love that shot. I actually got another shot that's also domino effecty to the ultimate degree. We consider LeBron James the best player maybe to ever play. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why that's the case is because he's a champion. The... The narrative around LeBron James for you youngins out there who may not have remembered this 10 years ago was that he can't win a championship and that he's it's he's not he can't be the greatest until he wins one. Right. Then he goes to Miami in his first year and he doesn't win. Right. Then in 2013, in game six, he misses a clutch shot against the Spurs. Now they're down three two. And Chris Bosh gets one of the most iconic offensive rebounds and kicks it out to Ray Allen who hits that corner three that propels them to win game six. And then 
that people forget there's a game seven, kind of like the 1980 uh, hockey World, team. Uh, the not, World yeah, series yeah, the 86 World Series, the 1980 hockey team. Like Those were not even the championship games. But that propelled LeBron. Uh, he dropped 37 and 12 in game seven. Uh, they cruised past the Spurs 95-88 uh, for him to actually capture that finals, capture that uh, championship. Uh, one of many, as we will learn. And think about how that would have changed the narrative around LeBron James, how how people would have viewed him as not the greatest player. And maybe that would have changed his career arc. Maybe if they go two years in Miami without winning championships, they break it up. Maybe uh, there's feuds within the locker room because you saw Ray Allen didn't get along with the, the guys with the Celtics, right? So there yeah. there is some precedent there. So I just think that game-winning shot, I remember where I was when I was watching it. I remember how I was watching it. I remember the meal I was eating. I remember the, the crowd reaction. Like, that's one of those ones that will just live in my mind forever. And one other thing about that shot is it also kind of, you know, it's a big what-if for the Spurs as well. That would have yep. been Popovich's mm. sixth ring, right? Duncan's sixth ring. Um you know, if I'm not mistaken, Kwai was there also. Kwai's got a ring, but, you know, he would have, you know, potentially had another ring. Yeah, yeah. And so who knows if, you know, you know, Kwai's gone, but I'm just saying who knows if maybe that could have salvaged something. I know this is a, a bunch of years ago, but I'm just saying, like, there's so many other, you know, factors that come into play when you think about that shot, too. So it's like not only is it on the Miami Heat and LeBron, but it's also the Spurs as well. Yeah, the Spurs went on and won the championship the year after. And that kind of dismantled the Heat team. LeBron left after that. But it's like, if you listen to all the stories coming out of that 2014 season that the Spurs won the title in five, I believe, they're like, yo, we should be going for back-to-back. And it just so happened that Real hit that. So they had that, like, extra pumped-up aggression going into the playoffs. And, you know, they they steamrolled through the Heat. Uh, For me, shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Obviously, there was a bet involved. I had bet the Houston Rockets in a big, big series parlay. And my guy, Damian Lillard, that shot against uh, the Rockets, which we do live in the moment, fellas. And I think that shot was bigger than the shot he hit against the Thunder. And here's why. That shot, they were down two points. That was a game winner. Where this one, it was tied. He misses a shot. No one really says anything. It's like, ah, we're going to overtime. You're kind of playing with house money in a sense. Where that was like they're down two, game seven would go into Houston. Bam, series ended there too. It's it's similar to when a guy like, you know, hitting a fifty yard field goal when it's seventeen seventeen is completely different when it's twenty seventeen and you need to hit this to go to overtime. Yeah. Or it's twenty one twenty and this field goal wins you. There is a little bit of different pressure there. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And I think a lot of like social media outlets are uh we're putting those videos side by side, which yep. is really cool to watch as well. Yeah, that was really fun. Uh, shout out to Imaginary Dolphin once again, a uh, member of the Discord and the Patreon. All right, let's move on over to. I feel like we should start in the Eastern Conference since we know what the matchups are going to be. Yeah. Uh, without spending too much time on the opening series, because you know, outside of like a sluggish game one for both the Raptors and the Sixers, it became a pretty dominant affair. Uh, yeah. All right, let's let's stay with the Raptors. Uh, Tim, what were your thoughts on the series, man? Raptors Magic. It ended at five. What do you think? I actually think that the Raptors were kind of feeling themselves a little too much coming into this, uh, into these playoffs. And I think the best thing that happened to them was getting their, getting their ass handed to them in the game one, they really got outplayed, especially Kyle Lowry. And he kind of turned it around and really came back and they became, 
Um, they became exactly who we thought they were. And Pascal Siakam was was amazing in that game four and, and in game three. Him being added as well, if he can continue that playoff run, that is a three-headed monster that is going to need to need to be contended with uh, on the highest level because right now the East seems wide open. All four of these teams that moved on, in my opinion, have a chance to be in the next round, not only in the next round, but in the finals too. So, um, yeah, I, I think it was a mismatch from the beginning. Um, and, you know, the Raptors just proved who they were. Yeah, for me, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but for me it was the breakout performance of Pascal Siakam. For those, for those people, you know, for those – like similar to a Dame situation, he's probably more unknown than Dame is. Without a um, doubt. And Siakam is now – you know, I think he averaged 23 and 10 in the series. Um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's kind of unbelievable that – I don't want to say he's come out of nowhere, but he's, he's definitely most improved. And so um, just kind of, you know, giving him that national spotlight is, is what I was most excited about and, and what impressed me because, like I said earlier, he's so much more crafty on the offensive side of the ball now. Like, like early, earlier in his career, or earlier in the season even, he was more of a transition guy, kind of just, you know, you know, people would have to set him up so he can score. And you watch him play now and he's posting people up. He's taking guys off the dribble. And his, he's just so much more crafty and his game is way more, way more developed. And that happened in one season. And so um, – just to kind of, you know, give everybody, uh, you know, a, a taste of what Siakam's got is, is what in, was intriguing to me for this series. Yeah, I mean, not much to say. Toronto historically struggles in game ones, especially yeah. when they're at home. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, Tim brought up Kyle Lowry. He, he had no points. He got outscored 35 nothing by DJ Augustine, who I think has been on every single team in the league, fellas. Uh, <laughs> and, and like um, Michael Carter Williams out of nowhere. And then besides that, right, game two, they won by almost 30. Game three, closer game, they won by five. But it was like, you know, first game for the playoffs in uh, at home for Orlando. The crowd was behind it, whatever. And then after that, it was just blowouts. Yeah. 22 points, uh, the 19 points. So it is what it is. I think now this is where you're really getting the four best teams in the East. Yeah. Uh, you know, per perfect segue into the next series, which we got. Um, Actually, no, uh, sorry. Uh. Yeah, the, the the Sixers and the Nets, another team where the opening series, uh, the opening game of the series was a surprise. Brooklyn took them by storm. And yeah. then after that, they figured out what to do with Embiid and what to do with uh, Ben Simmons. It seemed like the trash talk between Simmons and like Jared Dudley, who also has been on a lot of teams in the NBA, kind of like jump-started Ben Simmons. And with the exception of game four, every other game was a blowout too. So not much to say there. The better team won. Uh, I, I think, you know, you know what the common theme of these opening round of the playoffs are, even for the teams that lost a guy emerged as like, Oh, he's actually a really good player. Karis Levert for the Nets, which dude, I uh, started to cut you off. Karis Levert in game four, probably one of the best games of the hit hit that game for him was probably one of the best games of the entire first round for anybody. 25 points in 42 minutes, 50% shooting from the field, six dimes, five boards. And look, Brooklyn lost the game. But the worries of is Karis Liver going to get back to his old self before the injury are long gone. Um, and he's definitely kind of like a building block. Um, and then obviously D'Angelo Russell proved, proved that um, he was always real, you know, to begin with. There was never, you know, there was never a question. Um, and it was just, I think, you know, he needed the right situation. And, and like you said, I think he's someone that although he was, you know, um, well, he was a replacement all-star, um, you know, he stumbled a bit in the, in the, in this round. Um, I think he shot under forty percent the entire series. Um, but all of that was kind of 
uh, bogged down because I think game five, he was like three from six, three, three of 16 from the field in game five. But, um, you know, Russell didn't play that great in, in the playoffs, but uh, Levert definitely did. Um, and and, and, and these, this is a team on the rise, the Nets, without a doubt. I, th- I think you're right about D'Angelo Russell. This team is a little interesting because they have space for a max contract. I think they have space for two max contracts. If they I'm can. Mistaken. They can if they get creative with the cap. They can. Okay, so D'Angelo Russell, he proved this year that, look, he, he's a good player and that he can get better. The only thing is that he's a ball dominator, right? Yeah, he's yeah. one of those ball dominators in the NBA, right? So it's going to be interesting because if they can bring in a guy like Clay Thompson over who could score but isn't exactly a ball dominator, right, they could have themselves a little Portland Trailblazers East out in in, um, in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I was going to say New York, yeah, yeah. but it's it's a – they're they're an interesting team going forward. They have a lot of nice little pieces, and they're they're going to need to be managed well because yeah. they're not a, like a, a marquee destination right now. But who knows? A couple more years, and maybe one guy they get to go there, and everything could change. For the Sixers, um, what's been impre- impressive for me, and and I think they broke a record, or they they're they're, they're second or first in uh, most points scored in a playoff series in, in the amount of games that they've played. I think they broke an NBA record or they're close to it. But what's impressed me the most about the Sixers is not the offense, it's the defense. The last four games against the Nets, um, the defense has dramatically improved. I'm actually higher on the Sixers now than I was heading into the playoffs, and and you may not expect that. Um, in the clinching game, dude, they were up 23-2. to two. They were up 21 points in the first quarter against the Nets. Um, and, I, and I mentioned this in the group chat. Back in the day when we were playing Madden, you were up 21 points. You had to pass the controller over. Uh, yeah, so it was a <laughs> so th- that kind of puts it into perspective. And, and look, the Nets were missing some shots, but you have to give credits to the Sixers for playing some stellar defense. And that's what's going to get them to the finals is the defense. Because a lot of these teams can score. It's about buckling down and playing defense. And so I'm just impressed with the defense overall. So that's what that's my takeaway from that series is how the Nets, uh, how the Sixers turned it around on the defensive side of the ball, which in turn created offense. Let's move on over to the uh, Pacers and Celtics series. Sweep 4-0 Celtics. Uh, my question to you guys, and tell me how you guys feel listening at home at Veterans Minimum. Send us some tweets. Was this more impressive, the sweep, or was it just that the Pacers just aren't that good? Like, a lot of people are talking about, oh, the Celtics are getting hot at the right time. I think it's a little bit of both. I don't think the Celtics are getting hot. I think it's Gordon Hayward is back, fellas. Uh, Look, I'm on the Celtics to come out the East. I've been on the record saying that for months. But I I don't think that's fair to the Celtics because the Pacers – Played well down the stretch, even without Oladipo. Like, look at their record without Oladipo. It's not as bad as people thought. Every, I think they were they were the fourth seed, and they basically only fell one spot in the East after the Oladipo injury. So, to me, the Pacers had no chance. But to say that the Pacers are a terrible team is not fair because look at what they did after the injury. They were still impressive, and they beat some really good teams. So, got to give credit to the Celtics, and you have to give credit to the Pacers. Um and, and 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 that's where I stand right there. Celtics in, after the first two games, you you worried about their their points output at first. I think um, I, I I still don't see this team as a team who's cohesive. I, it may it may seem weird to say at this point, but it seems like they're still learning how to play with each other. Like they don't seem fluid on yeah. the court yet. They're always uh, hurt. To me. 
they always have to injure. They, they always got someone. They're never at full strength. That's the problem. Like Kyrie's hurt, or Hayward's hurt, or Baines is hurt, or you know Morris is hurt, or Jalen. But like, I don't think they've ever had their full roster. You know, you and know, now Marcus Smart is hurt too. Yeah, so exactly. exactly. They they're, still don't have a guy. They still don't have a guy in there. Although he's not the main guy, but look. We we could say, oh, yeah, the Pacers, yeah, good for you. You know, you guys played well. You, look, the, the Celtics outclassed the Pacers in every way. Yeah. So nothing was really proven to me in this series. Yeah. Now, because they struggled in the regular season, they're going to have to face Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And they're a team that's kind of built to beat a team like Milwaukee, right? They have a lot of long stretch four, uh, three, great, four type dudes who are, yeah, who are long, who could guard. Yanni's right. So the question is, can you stop the shooters on the Bucks? And I think yeah. that's going to be uh, the main thing. And can you shoot with them? Because if you can't stop the shooters on the Bucks, which no one has been able, has been able to stop them this year, I don't think the Celtics could score with the Bucks. I so a, that that's going to be my X factor. I have a lot to say about the series, Nick. So give me a couple minutes, and then you can take over when I'm done. But um, for those of you who don't know this, these two teams played in the first round last year, and they won seven games. Um, so, you know, will this series be better than last year's? Not sure, but if I had to guess, yes. Because Giannis wasn't an MVP candidate last year, and Kyrie was injured. Um, so if you ask me, I think the series is going to be better this year. Um, you know, as I mentioned, it goes seven. Uh, and last year in that series, uh, the home team won every game. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, the Bucks have home court. So for the Celtics to have a chance, they need to steal one on the road. It's kind of obvious, but I wanted to kind of get it out there. Um, and then one last thing on this series, um, Bucks paid the Celtics three times. Boston was one and two against Milwaukee in the regular season. Throw it out the window. It doesn't matter. And here's why. Injuries. It's kind of the common theme with this team. Boston was missing at least one major piece of its rotation during all three of the games against the Bucks. Um, in the first game, uh, they were missing Jalen Brown. During the second game, they were missing Al Horford, Baines, and Marcus Morris. And in the third game, they were missing Baines and Gordon Hayward. Meanwhile, Milwaukee used the same starting five for all three games. So this is a situation where – and now, look, they still don't even have Marcus Smart. So, you know, this is as healthy as they're el- they'll ever be, I guess. Um, but like I said, just throw that one and two record out the window because the Boston wasn't at full strength. I think, you know, you can't underestimate both of these teams. You know, they played last year and went to seven games, but I think both teams are completely different. You add yeah. Meritage, you add Brolo, uh, you add um, even Eric Bledsoe. I know he came on last year, like he was with that team last year, but, you know, he has a full season under his belt. Giannis takes the next step. I agree with MP, as you mentioned before. I think he is the league MVP this year. Uh, best player on the best team, best record in the league. Um Fun fact, for those of you guys that might not know this, if the finals, if Milwaukee gets to the finals, they got home court, fellas. So it's going to go through uh, Milwaukee. So that's going to be very interesting if they do happen to get there. With that being said, you also, you know, you mentioned Kyrie, Imp, but, yo, Gordon Hayward, man, he's been playing well the last six weeks. And for those of you that might have not watched them in Utah, let's not forget, he was an all-NBA guy uh, a couple years ago, but, you know, his last year going into his free agency. And... He's not your prototype white dude. Like, his game is slashing and driving and throwing it on people. He's a very aggressive basketball player. 
and he's not just like, you know, oh, he's a wing guy. He's just going to shoot mad threes. It's like, no, that's what you saw in game four against the Pacers, I think is huge going forward. Because if you get that out of Gordon Hayward, watch out. Maybe you might be onto something between him and Kyrie. Kyrie shot. I got the stat right here in front of me. In clutch shots. Ready for this analytical one? This is it. This is it. In in games in which the Celtics were down or up one possession in under four minutes, shot 58% from the field. That's fucking absurd. So you want to talk about clutch, that's Kyrie. Um, That's fucking absurd. Yeah, man. Kyrie is, 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 is such a clutch player and like... Say what you want about the guy in the regular season, but I, I, I'm not worried. He's always in the playoffs. He always plays really well in the playoffs. I mentioned he has the best record. Say You, you can say LeBron carries him all you want. That's fine. I, I'm not even going to listen to that at all because LeBron's record is not that great in the playoffs, to be honest. Don't get me wrong. He has a winning record, but he's gone. He's had some really long series before, too. So let's not let's let's not just, you know, let's not pretend like LeBron sweeps everybody. All right. Um. And, and and one thing I'm looking forward to is Budenholzer against Brad Stevens. Yeah, two, two of the best coaches in the NBA. Um, Budenholzer coach of the year, and Brad Stevens is a perennial coach of the year candidate. This year, obviously, they're down. Um, one thing about Brad Stevens is his teams get better every single year. Like their win totals go up every year. This is the one season where they dipped, but you know, chalk it up to the injuries. Um, but just really interested to see the chess match between uh, the Celtics um, and and the Bucks and, and Budenholzer and Brad Stevens. Imp, unlike uh, when we did the, the playoff preview, we got caught in a bad spot where, you know, a couple games had already played. We can actually give some predictions on these series. So, Imp, what's your prediction for uh, Bucks celtics Put us on the spot here, Nick. Damn. Yeah, I just – no, I thought about it. I, I thought about it now, actually, because I'm like, oh, shit, there's actually series that we know are going to happen, yeah. with the exception of one, which we'll get to in a little bit. But, you know, we got caught in between last week. We recorded on Wednesday when we recorded the show – it's like every team had played roughly two games. So, yeah, I'm putting you motherfuckers on the spot. You guys are good um, on it. Celtics hey, and seven. Celtics and seven. Wow. I'm going to go Bucks and seven. Wow. Wow. Um, damn. Bucks are going to have to win in Boston game six. I'm going, I'm going Bucks and six. Ooh. I think Giannis right now is playing at a level that is similar to, like, Damian Lillard. Both of these guys – this is their coming out party. Like this, this regular season and playoff for Giannis is the coming out party. He's going to win MVP most likely. Uh, I haven't checked the odds in Vegas to see w- where they stand at right now, but he's the front runner right now. Uh, best record in the league too. I think this is why they grinded out and they played Giannis. Uh, I believe it was like eighty of eighty-two games because they wanted to have everything go through Milwaukee. So I'm going with the Bucks and six for this one. That's cool. I like that. Speaking of the six, huh? <laughs> uh, let's go up there. Toronto against the Sixers. Uh, another Easter Conference matchup that I think was kind of chalk. You know, like everyone everyone saw the top seeds advancing, and that's what we got. Uh, for me, it is going to be Kawhi Leonard is definitely the X factor. I know I'm not going out on the limb here. He's the best player on the Raptors. And this is why you brought Kawhi in, right? You want to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. You want to be a serious contender. You get a top 10 player in the league to join your team. And, you know, I feel like the Raptors' success has kind of gotten people away from the fact that this might be a one-and-done situation for him. <laughs> or, you know, Serge Ibaka had him in this interview they did, I think, for um, – it might be Sportsnet or one of the one of the 
networks up in in TSN. TSN maybe. It's like, hey man, so what are you doing next off season? Just stone face Kawhi, no answer. And it's like, oh, that's kind of alarming. Uh, so I think Kawhi Leonard is this is a, this is why you brought him in here. He's gonna be matched up with Ben Simmons. I think Ben Simmons, though he's not the best player on the Sixers, when he's on, as you saw when he turned it up when Jared Dudley was bad mouthing him and whatnot, that's when the Sixers took the next step. I think the matchup between Ben Simmons and Kawhi Leonard might be the most intriguing one to watch as a one v one kind of matchup. I I, I think it, it all comes down to Kawhi, fellas. How do you feel about that, Tim, with this series? Yeah, I think so, too. We moved on before we mentioned anything about the Pistons, but I just wanted to say shout-out to Blake Griffin for playing with a fucking yeah. robotic knee. Yeah. Um, that team had no chance from the very beginning. But, I, yeah, Kawhi Leonard is, is the X Factor. I think I think uh, Pascal Siakam, too, is, is the guy where if you add him and he could put up 18 to 20 points per game in a series, then the, then the Raptors have all of a sudden went from – one of the favorites in the East to the clear favorite in the East. And so you look, you know that I already think that this NBA season is a foregone conclusion. Um, but if he could step up and if he could score 25 points and Kyle Lowry could drop 20 and Ka- and Kawhi could drop like 27, this is a team that's going to go to the NBA finals and have a chance. So it, I think that uh, although this is going to be a, matchup that's dictated by the play of Kawhi Leonard um I think I think that it, it's really Pascal Siakam who could who could be uh the real X factor and on the Sixer side you saw Jimmy Butler kind of take a, a a step towards leadership in that series I felt like mm-hmm. I want to see I want to see Jimmy Butler take the next step as well because one thing I've been on the record about Jimmy Butler is saying is that he's he's like in the 1B tier of the nba like you have the superstar guys that can carry a team and you got that one b tier where they're superstars but they can't quite carry a squad this will be his chance to prove me wrong so i think jimmy butler's the x fact on the sixers i've got i've got the raptors in six um the one thing that i love about the raptors is they match up well with the sixers they played them well they've played them well this season The, the sixers have tremendous wing players from you know Tobias Harris to Ben Simmons to you know shooters like JJ Redick, obviously your Jimmy Butler's of the world, but the Toronto Raptors can match up with them pound for pound on the wing, and 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 at the end of the day, you know I, I'll take a, a like you said like a Kawhi Leonard and also a grizzled vet like Marcus Gasol, an underrated addition, um, you know, just you know four two, I I kind of see it, you know four two, um, uh, in favor of Toronto, I I, I definitely think Philly plays him tough. Um, because you know Jimmy Butler's a dog that way. He plays really hard. Um, I just think I, I just think it's, it's a little too much, um, you know, f- for Philly. So I think it's it's Toronto and six just because of the way they match up. Same. Sixers starting lineup: Simmons, Redick, Butler, Harrison, and Embiid. The highest plus minus of any active remaining starting lineup that's played at least twenty five minutes together in the postseason. So that starting lineup is very successful for them but it's like yo it's like mike scott boban mcconnell you know can you bank on these guys because i i do think that these benches are gonna have to come into play you know if i feel like me and you are fred van vliet's like number one fan we (laughs) always talk about him so it's like you know you're gonna need a guy like him to step up to go up against the, the the bench scoring of um the sixers and whatnot so i'm going with the raptors too uh, I like the Raptors coming into the year. You're going to need Marcus Gasol to step up because this is this is a series where 
you kind of need Marcus Gasol. Like one of the issues I think that the Thunder face, not to go too far back, it's like Stephen Adams couldn't play in that series really. You know, the 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 the, the stretch four that Cantor is in a sense was able to draw him out, and that's why Dame was able to drive and dish into the paint. And I feel like sometimes with Embiid and guys like that, that old school center. It, they have become a little outdated. They're like dinosaurs in a sense. But this is a matchup where it's like, I'm happy I have a Gasol and an Embiid to square up against each other. I don't yeah, think I get yeah. my pick, but I'm going Sixers. Uh, sorry, sorry. I'm going Raptors in... Uh, I'm going to go seven. I think Raptors in seven. Ooh. You know, we forgot about one giant X factor, and that's Drake is going to be on the sidelines, <laughs> which automatically means Sixers, congratulations. You've won. You go. You going with the Sixers? Nah, nah. I'm gonna go with the Raptors. Oh, uh, I was gonna say, ball, I like it. I like it. Uh, <laughs> that was all right. Let's go. Let's go uh, to the Western Conference. Um, you know, two series are still. They're actually playing tonight. We're recording Wednesday night. The Rockets game is starting right now. But both the Rockets and the Warriors. Let's be honest, fellas. They're playing each other in the next round. Yes. Yeah. So, although I so look. Are we talking Utah and Houston real quick? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, let's start off with that one. Because, man. All right. No team has ever come back from 0-3 in a best-of-seven series in the NBA playoffs. So, it's probably quiet for Utah. However, I will admit, Utah has played great the past two games. And, 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 and what sucks is now, obviously, they win game four, right? But now it sucks because it makes game three a huge what if because now it could be it could hypothetically be a 2-2 series mm-hmm. right um um everything but so and and this is what baffles me not baffles me but this is you know this is the struggle to even kind of you know have a hope for utah is is for utah to win which they did everything had to go right for them right like donovan mitchell went for 19 in the fourth quarter um uh houston missed i think 14 straight three-pointers Houston missed their last 14 three-pointers that game. Um, and then Jay Crowder has a really good game. So it's like everything had to go right for Utah to win one game. So obviously I don't think they're going to win the series. But it would have just been interesting if, if Utah could have s- pulled game three out of their ass because you know they missed a bunch of free throws. Um, uh, Donovan Mitchell missed a wide-open three. Um, but, but I'm just saying, you know, they played like shit the first two games, and then they played really well the past two games. Um, you know, which makes that, you know, that game three a huge what if because it could have been 2-2. The, I think this series is over, obviously, but there's two things we could take away from the series. Number one, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, yeah he may have missed he may have missed that that wide open three. But Kyle Korver, yep. who was done with his questioning, called the guys back just to talk about how he's never seen a young player uh, that had the leadership intangibles that Donovan Mitchell has. Donovan Mitchell already has a bridge named after him in Utah. Um, if you needed any reason to love Donovan Mitchell more, it's this series is one of them. And one of the things that I think is going to be a big takeaway and could be an X factor in the playoffs is this defense that Utah has been playing on James Harden. Now, it hasn't been that effective, but what they're doing is they're stepping to the side and they're giving him the lane. And they're taking away his left hand and they're taking away his ability to shoot. Now, James Harden kind of has just shimmied him off, shimmied them off and shot anyway, but... If you have a superior defender and you put him in that kind of defensive situation on James Harden that they have created, then that could be an X factor. That could be a way to shut down James Harden, something that teams have not been able to do all year. I forgot who I was listening to, or I think I might have read this, but if you look at the stats, uh, 
you know, like team against team. No team did better defensively against James Harden than the Jazz. I said that last week. Yeah. So the fact that they did this like weird, like, I don't even like hip defense. That was a point. That was your bro. Thank you. Thank you. Because it, you and, and, and no disrespect, you clearly forgot what I said. And the fact that you're bringing it to the table again makes me feel even better. It doesn't make sense. They were the best defensive team against Houston the entire season. Why are you trying this gimmick defense shit? It didn't make sense to me. And it, it, and it killed them because every time Harden was like, all right, you're taking away my left, but I have a clear path to the lane and then I drive and dish. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess it was you that uh, brought this up, brother, brother. It, it didn't make sense, man. And that's why I was so frustrated. It's not like it's not like you know they struggled, or, or it's not like he killed them the entire regular season. He they were the best defensive team against Harden. So that was that was just what well, was confusing and baffling. Uh, Tim, what's your Twitter handle? At Tim Patrop. All right, if you guys follow Tim, uh, you know the next thing I'm going to say is going to kind of get him going, but. I'll never understand for how incredible James Harden is offensively. Yo, this guy has these wild 0 for, like, 0 for 12s, 0 for 15s stretches like I've never seen before. Uh, and if you guys follow Tim, the reason why I brought that up, his whole NBA feed is just shitting on Durant and James Harden for, the, like, 75% of it. So, Tim, what? Uh, how do you feel about that, man? Because, you know, you, you bring up a good point. He does... He does go on these stretches where it's like, yo, this guy is so damn good offensively. He can get really any shot, any bucket he wants, but he goes on these stretches where he's like 0 for 15, 0 for 20. He was like 0 for 24 last year on threes over like a two and a half uh, game stretch. Tim, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, look, look, all right. So I've been hard on these dudes, but here's the thing with me. Like you always have a chance to kind of make up for it if you really want to. Right, and James Harden has been getting better as a player each each season, and he's been kind of cutting out this own mold just of the way he plays. I also tweeted the other day, like, look, I understand James Harden like is great, but the Rockets put me to sleep every time I watch them. I can't, I can't pay attention. I really can't, and it's because of the game that they play. And look, in the last three years, James Harden has shot forty percent from the field in the playoffs. He shot an under 30% from three, right? 0 for 11 in game three, uh, in game seven last year from three. People tend to have short memories about with James Harden. It's kind of the same narrative over and over again. He's great in the regular season, and then he struggles in a playoff series. They lose. Everyone talks about how he isn't clutch, and then he comes back. He does crazy things again the next regular season. Everyone forgets about it like it never happened, and the cycle continues. I'm not saying that the cycle will continue this year. What I'm saying is he's going to have to break the cycle this year if he wants to get out of this rut because this is this is it. This is this is what you need to this is this is what you need to do. You need to be playoff successful. They, look, LeBron, they they killed LeBron for it over and over and over again. They keep saying championships. They killed guys like Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing for it who never won a championship. They killed guys like Karl Malone. If you want to be a great, you need to win a championship. And so far, the reason why he hasn't won championships is not on his teammates. It's because of him. So he needs to he needs to step it up. And I'm gonna I'll give you a chance to step it up. And he's been playing really well, but that's against a Jazz team that's clearly inferior. So this is gonna be his chance. Uh, he bas- it's, it's they're basically set for a meeting with the the Warriors unless something goes terribly wrong. So he's gonna have to prove it to everyone. Because it's it's not just regular season for me. 
The only thing that I want to say is I'm just so impressed with the fact that Harden can go two for 14 and still somehow find a way to score 25 points. It's so impressive that that despite a terrible shooting game, right? Like he didn't hit his first shot till the third quarter the other night, mm-hmm. and he still finished with over 20 points. And so that's just a credit to his knack of getting to the line and, and finding a way to score, um, even when he's having an off night. And so, you know, you know, call him a, a creature of the of the game or the, of this generation, right? You can call him whatever you want, but he gets it done, man. He finds a way to score even when he's not having the best game. So. I'm excited for that that second round matchup for sure. Uh, all right, so let, let's let's uh, move on over to Golden State and the Clippers. I mean, Tim, hell of a call. Uh, I actually saw your like book it thirty point win for the Warriors in Game Three, and I couldn't believe that the line on that game was only eight and a half. Uh, it was kind of crazy to me because it was exactly what Tim said. It was a blowout in Game Three. They came out guns blazing because They're- they got embarrassed in Game Two. But the reason it was so close is because the Clippers were home that game. Yeah, if the yeah, Warriors yeah. were home, it would have probably been a 15-point spread. Yeah, yeah. So blowout in game three, uh, one by eight in game uh, game four. They're going back to Oracle. I, I fully expect both series to end in five. I mean, is, is there much you guys want to say? I feel like this series was, you know, kind, uh, outside of that fluke game two performance where literally it's never happened before. It's the biggest comeback in playoff history. There's not much more to say. It was kind of... You know, Boogie goes down. That's probably the biggest takeaway. Kind of changes that team's dynamic a little bit. But, Tim, any thoughts on Clippers-Warriors? Um, I mean, shout-out to Lou Williams, who's given everything that he got. Yeah. Uh, the Clippers are an interesting squad because if they can add a guy like uh, Kawhi Leonard, all of a sudden next year they look a lot better. Um, but, nah, this this one's over. Yeah, it's over. Um, I mentioned it last week. Game two was their NBA Finals. That comeback was their, you know. Their big moment, right? Yeah, and like, and I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but you know, it's an awesome story that you hear Doc, you know, after they trade Tobias Harris and Boban, it's like, you know, like Pat Bev and those guys are like, "Yo, you guys giving up?" He's like, "Nah, not at all. We're gonna make the playoffs." And it's just a credit to Doc and in, in, in their front office. I, I think I did mention it last week that they kind of, you know, I think they're even, I think they're gonna lose a first round pick for making the playoffs. Um, and they didn't care. They, you know, they, they want to be a. a you know, they want to be a destination for free agents. And I think they went about it the right way. Rather than tanking and, and getting a pick at the bottom of the lottery, why not, you know, you know, kind of, you know, strive for greatness and, and try to make the playoffs because then you become more of an appeal. You're, you're more of an appealing team for some of these free agents and they have two and they have room for two maxes. So I, I, I like I like the thought process there that they didn't tank, even though they probably lost a pick for it if they were they if they didn't tank. Yeah, I think if you factor in the young guys that they got, right? They got a uh, uh, Shamet, Shamet. What is it, Imp? Landry Shamet. Shamet, right? In the trade for Tobias Harris, SGA really impressed me. I think he's played pretty well for them. Uh, I can't say his his full name, so we'll call him SGA. He's a rookie from Kentucky, and uh, you know they have room for a max and all. Everyone's a lot of people, a lot of higher ups. Shout out to Impy, are saying that pencil in Kawhi Leonard to go over there for the most part. So. I'm I'm cool with that. I agree with you. I would rather get these young guys get their feet wet. And like if yo, if you if you could if you could hold your own against the Warriors, that's the cream of the crop. It's the yeah. best team in the last five years. Like the last five years, it's been the Warriors League. So yeah, I think it's a good look for them. Get those get those young guys some reps in the playoffs. And the rest of the league might be a little mad at the uh at the Clippers for waking a sleeping beast who has kind of just been on cruise control for the past two months. 
and uh, kind of got woken up for the fact that, hey, we can lose. And they responded in classic Golden State fashion. Uh, I just want to let you guys know, Kevin Durant sold, uh, put his Malibu home yep. uh, on, on the market yeah. this week. So uh, He's such a hoe. <laughs> he, ain't hey, a, he ain't gonna be a hoe in orange and blue, baby. Yo, yeah. he will be, but you know, every hoe can get a ring. He can change their ways, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know how he's a hoe if he goes to the Knicks. That's the most... That's the most anti-bitch-made move. Like, yeah, I agree. To literally go to the worst franchise of all time. <laughs> Yo, for real. For real. All right, let's talk about the Nuggets and Spurs. We're going to skip the Thunder and Blazers because we pretty much opened up the show and covered everything we wanted to for that series. But Thunder, uh, sorry, Spurs, Nuggets, Nuggets, 3-2, going into San Antonio for game six. Um, Tim, any thoughts on this series, man? Want to start us off? I think uh, one thing that you notice is that, look, Jamal Murray is an X-factor. Uh, I think that's obvious. I think the play of of Jokic is also an X-factor and how him and Murray feed off each other, right? Jokic actually touches the ball 10 times more per game than Russell Westbrook does. That's crazy. Like, that's how much he handles the ball. And when him and Jamal Murray are on, in the last game you saw that that – Give and go with him and Murray, where he just put the ball right in this tight little window. When he, when those two are like a little bromance, and when they're on and when they're when they're doing their thing, that seems really hard to beat. Yeah. Um, shout out to Greg Popovich, who every single year, uh, just like look, he's got a bunch of he's got Demar Derozan and a bunch of guys who are coming on, and they don't turn the ball over. They play mistake free basketball. They're putting up a fight in the series, but I just think that. The talent of the Nuggets is just going to win out in this one. All right, Tim. So I love that you mentioned the Jokic and Murray um, little tandem because they run a super interesting 5-1 pick and roll. Mm. Um, most teams run a 1-5 pick and roll, which is the point guard set uh, controlling the ball and the 5, which is the center, setting a pick. The Nuggets are probably the only team in the league that can run a 5-1 pick and roll where the center has the ball and the point guard sets a weird-ass pick. Um, but when you have a playmaker like Jokic, um, it creates tons of um, mismatches. And, um, and, and what's interesting is, like, there's so many different ways that they can get it going. Tim mentioned the give-and-go, pick-and-roll, give-and-go, dribble handoff. It becomes difficult for defenses to, like, anticipate what's going to happen because – it's it, it's so unique the way that they operate, uh, and in Game Five, Murray Jokic tandem was plus twenty seven. So you know they, they got their you know they, they got their legs underneath them, and the and, and the Spurs were the better team for the first couple of games without a doubt. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's awesome to see um Denver pick it back up. Um, and and one more thing, Tim uh, and Nick too, uh, Game of Thrones reference. I heard someone say Popovich is the Night King, and uh, Derek White Walker, uh, essentially. <laughs> What happens is, uh, first of all, this guy's doubling his career regular season point total in the playoffs, which is super impressive. Um, and Denver's an underrated team on defense as well. But Popovich kind of just like, just like puts his hands on these guys, and they just like turn in, <laughs> turn into stars. Like Derek, dude, Derek White's a second-year player who was kind of on nobody's radar, and now he's averaging like 20 points in this playoff series. So Popovich, the Night King, kind of just resurrecting these players who are who are no names. So. Just really impressed with guys like Derek White, um, and 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 the Spurs aren't the better team, um, and so 
you know, it's awesome that they've won a couple games, but I think Denver, um, you know, finishes it out. Yeah, it's 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 typical Spurs Popovich basketball where remember like Gary Neal got like twelve million dollars a year after that run, and then it's like Jonathan Simmons got twelve million dollars. They always have these random role players that have a wild playoff series or a playoff run, and then but yo, uh, Danny Green was an NBA Finals MVP. Yo, you know that everyone that's won an NBA Finals MVP made it to the Hall of Fame? Except for Danny Green. He ain't going to be in the Hall of Fame. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's so ridiculous that that happened, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's Jokic and Murray for the most part. Anytime that, that Murray is on, he uh, the Nuggets win. And when he struggles, the Nuggets still win. And you're right. This, this series could have easily been 3-0. And they could have gotten swept. Yep. So, yeah. Um, oh, by the way, I stand corrected. Um, he didn't win NBA Finals MVP. Uh, it was Kawhi Leonard, but he was he came in second. So that's what it was. I stand corrected. He has a fire series either way, though. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, how do you guys want to approach Rockets Warriors as we sign off? You know, maybe maybe give a little preview to that because you know we at least know that that's a series. That we're gonna get next round, unless it's an epic collapse. I think almost everyone is expecting that in round two, since the Spurs and the Nuggets still have to play out their series. Uh, Imp, give us a little preview as we sign uh, off for Rockets Warriors. Because listen, fellas, if you know anything about me, I'm about to come in hot. I so I I think I I think I have a feeling Nick is gonna pick Houston, and I personally think Golden State's gonna. <sighs> I think Golden State is going to play much better than people anticipate. And I also think this series isn't going to be close to seven. Honestly, hot take, could be Golden State in five. Wow. Yeah, I think that I think that the Warriors in the back of their head are tired of hearing, oh, Chris Paul never got hurt. We could have beat them. We would have beat them. I think they want to just blow their doors off. I think this is a little personal, this series. Uh, Tim, your mic is muted if you can hear me, brother, brother. Whoopsie. Um, yeah, I agree. I think Golden State in five. Uh, wow. I think, look, he, the reason is because I just think that that loss in the first round really woke them up. And I, I think that you, I've just, I've been watching a different Golden State team the past three games than I had for the last two months of the season. And for the majority of the season. And I really do think Durant's gone. And I I think that he wants to go out with a bang. I also think there's a little chip on the shoulder of the Rockets that doesn't exist on the on the Golden State shoulder. So I think if Golden State gets out to an early one, two-game lead, the Rockets might start pressing. And we know that James Harden press situations is not where you want James Harden to be. So that's why I think is going to be going Satan five. But I mean, at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rockets took it to seven. Now I would be very surprised and I would have to eat a lot of the words that I've spoken <laughs> over the past few years. If the Rockets make it past Golden State. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I, it's, 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 I think it's, uh, as we like to say, it's quiet for Houston. That's just my personal opinion, but I think Tim's right. I think, I think everybody on that Golden State Warriors roster knows that this is the last season that they're going to be together. And so they want to go out with a bang and they want to win a championship, you know? So I think it's, it's pedal to the metal. I think it's, you know, you know, you know, people, you know, they're going to remember everyone saying it, it was Houston if, if Chris Paul never got hurt. And I think they're going to, you know, they're really going to sock it to Houston for sure. 
Yo, you don't think Houston's going to feel that way too? Like, you don't think Houston is going to bring that extra oomph in this series? Like, yo, our guy is back. He's healthy. He's ready to go. We would have beat y'all. I think that has something to say about that. And, yo, if we've talked about it a lot, how I personally think the addition of, you know, add to, subtract to, Fareed and your boy, Austin Rivers, Tim, I think it's an upgrade as basketball players, both sides of the court, than what Boamute and Ariza were. I think Ariza's a really, really good perimeter defender and a really great shooter, and that's what they need in this series. So I respectively disagreed with you, um, but that, that's a fair take. Houston played really well down the stretch. So, Man, I'm going to go with the Rockets in six, yo. No way. Yeah. I'm, going, I'm going Rockets in six. Tweet uh, this. Calls me the hot take, kid. I am. I, I've made no investment, fellas. I know in the past I've been called out for picking with my wallet more so than picking with my brain, but I do think that Chris Paul being healthy, I think that's something we definitely, definitely need to consider. Um, I can't get the image out of my head of P.J. Tucker getting boxed out by three guys and still grabbing reboards, uh, reboards, rebounds against them. So I don't know, man. There, there's something about it I would love. Ideally, you know what I would like also, even if I'm wrong? Give me game four Rockets up 2-1. Let's go into let's go into game four in Houston. Rockets up two one in the series. So they split in Golden State. They win game three in Houston. Let's see some pressure on them. Because look, as far as I'm concerned, I think the winner of this wins the NBA Finals. Another hot take. I see for some strange see, oh man, and and, and my, what I'm about to say doesn't make any sense. I only think Houston can beat Golden State, but I think a bunch of other teams can beat Houston. Can beat Houston, and I don't, and, and and I don't know why I feel that way. I listen. I've I've said that a bunch also in the past, where I feel like, you know, coming out the East, the only team that could beat the Warriors back then was the Cavs. But like, I thought that the Cavs could be had by like teams like the Raptors or the Celtics, right? But it's like if the Celtics were to go up against the Warriors, it'd be a sweep. Or if the Raptors were to go up against the Warriors, it'd be a sweep. I feel you. And I, I've said that many times. And so it, it does sound crazy, but it also makes sense in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I, look, I will have to eat a lot of shit if James Harden comes out and beats the Warriors. I'm rooting for it anyway. I am going to be rooting for the Warriors to lose in every single series because I'm, I'm not with it. And look, you're going to call me crazy maybe, but I think the Nuggets got a shot at being the Warriors. They play almost opposite Warriors ball where they're like it's like looking at a neg at a negative of the Warriors. That's what the that's what the the uh the Nuggets are like this year. And their offensive efficiency last game against the Spurs was higher than any offensive game that the Golden State Warriors had all season. So they are obviously a team that could score points with the Warriors, but can they? Can they? Can they? I think they got it. I think maybe they got a shot. We'll see, though. I don't know. I think this run that Dame is on, he's gonna be in the Western Conference Finals, dog. Ooh, okay, okay. Yeah, I think I think it's it's just one of those magical seasons right now. The way they're playing, or the, they're firing on all cylinders. They're getting a lot from like Harkless and Aminu too. So, I think this Blazers team. That was my hot take last week. You know, um, with him being the MVP for Imp, I thought that there's a roadmap for them to get to the Western Conference Finals and. You know, they, they really dominated that series against the Thunder. So, yeah. let's see. It should be – this is where, you know, you 
you deal with the six months of BS in the regular season for the most part, unless you're into like storylines and whatnot and you're a league pass guy. I think we're going to get some good series, guys, in round two. Yeah, I hope so. Definitely hope so. Yep, I think so. All right. This is episode 10, I believe, of the VM NBA show. Double thank digits. You all, thank you all for listening. 10! Let's go. <laughs> the GOAT number. Tim, where can they find you? At Tim Pachop on all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling real, real, real frisky. Ippy? I-M-P-Y-718. You already know on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at The Lamb Show, Twitter, Instagram, and on Twitch. At Veterans Minimum on Twitter and Instagram. Support the show at patreon.com slash veterans minimum. And also, enjoy the playoffs. And we'll catch you next week. Peace. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.